everyone. Welcome to Everyman BJJ, a weekly show covering MMA and BJJ news and training tips. And we're live. Good evening. No, good evening. Good evening, Mean Green. Good evening, sir. How are you? Welcome to our special Monday night edition, Everyman BJJ. Everybody else is watching is with their family, is watching Monday Night Football, and here we are, diehard podcasters. People are dying to hear our podcast. And so, That's right. Um, so I don't know if you've been paying attention to the moon lately, Bama. The moon's been pretty spectacular. Um, I guess we're having two different full moon sequences in October, a lot of full moons this month. So it's been... Uh, just really cool time, really cool time of year. You and I were talking about that, where fall is is a very nostalgic, sentimental time. You know, the crisp air gets crisp, leaves change, and you just—I don't know why—it makes me think about my childhood a lot. The fall, the fall really? more than any season. Yeah, the fall more than any season makes me think about growing up and in Baltimore and Sandlot football and baseball and playing basketball on uh, they used to use milk crates you know we didn't have there weren't like all these parks with basketball hoops even a lot of places they would take the hoops down so a lot of the neighbors wouldn't want the hoop wouldn't want the hoops because they didn't mm-hmm. want a certain they didn't they didn't like like you know young people that they thought might cause trouble or create trouble so they would take the hoops down and so then the kids would have to improvise and they would, they would take milk crates, right? They would take the old milk crates and cut them, cut the bottom out of it. And when you were shooting on that and you know, that thing's like a a square. So you're playing basketball with a square and you don't have the same circumference, the same width of a normal hoop, right? So you got, you got to really be, you can't rain like 25 foot jumpers and, and, and shoot on a milk crate and and hit three pointers. I don't care if you're set. That would be interesting to see like a guy like a sharpshooter, like Seth Curry, See him shoot three pointers, 22, 23, 25 foot three point shots on a crate where your precision has to. I mean, it would just be, you know, it would be impressive if he could make, you know, say five out of 20 or something from that uh, shooting on a milk crate. Um, but anyway, Noah, welcome tonight. I was telling you that something that I was thinking about talking about tonight because I had a conversation with a friend. <clears throat> Who's who was in Las Vegas, and it was very restrictive where he was. At least his family's interpretation of it, they were they were really careful. They didn't go out much. They have kids, so they really stayed in the house. And he's like, Frank, we were in the house for like most of the last five six months. They would get all their food delivered. They were really really even restricting themselves because they didn't want to go out and catch the virus or bring it home to the kids. So he's a jujitsu guy anyway. He said, I was going stir crazy, man. So now he's out. He went to Hawaii. And in Hawaii, they have the thing where the first two weeks, whenever you go to Hawaii for the first two weeks, you have to quarantine. And then after that, you can, you know, if you show that you're testing negative, you can have regular people privileges. So um, so anyway, he and I were talking, another black belt, and we were talking about basically things we would tell our younger self, like that, you know, the the advice I would give to myself 20 years ago, 25 years ago as an athlete, 
and things that would have made a difference. I, I was a good athlete. I did, I did in, in a lot of different sports, I did very well. And, and my teams won a lot. Um, you and I have talked about that too, where not just revisiting, not, not just rewinding the tape of your own life and looking and saying, you know, trying to make sense of it and, and trying to learn from it. And you're learning because even when you reflect backwards, right, the problem with, with reflecting backwards is the human, the tendency of the human brain when it thinks in, in rewind, when it thinks in reverse is to stay there, is to assume those emotions, is to assume the guilt, is to assume the negativity, is to assume the what might have been. And we wind up in a cycle of that. And that's the problem. But if it was used properly and we were looking a little bit at the past, right? Not beating ourselves up, not with all kinds of negativity and heartache and depression. But if we just looked at it and we said, listen, the past will give me clues. The past will give me a deeper sense of who I am. And by knowing who I am, I can build around that. I can connect the dots of my life better because I'm honest with myself about who I am. Because sometimes the problem with who I am, Noah, is the problem with who I am is not only are a lot, a lot of people don't want to face who they are, but in addition, even when they know, even when they're looking in the mirror and they're honest with themselves and they say, this is who I am. These are qualities that are my qualities. What we're scared of at that point is even when we can own it, we don't know if we can own it publicly because we're thinking of all the things that people who know us and people that are close, we're thinking they're going to be really disappointed. I, you know, they're going to be really disappointed if they know X, Y, and Z about me. And X, Y, and Z about me are true. That is who I am. That is what I'm about. And we're scared because we think of 100 or 1,000 people we know. And we're thinking, how many of them are going to accept this if they know this about me? And it might not even be anything that bad. A lot of times, these aren't things that even need to be skeletons. Right now, in today's world where everything is so politically correct, you can have things that are fairly benign that you just wouldn't want people to know because everyone is so hypersensitive and everybody gets is ready to argue and jump down everyone's throat and be the thought police. So there's things that are fairly benign now that are truly who we are. And we just think just to keep the peace, right, just to create some unity, we say, I don't want to talk about that. And, and you don't want to talk about it publicly because so many people are us, them, are sort of the, these tribes. And if you're not completely in their tribe, checking all their tribe boxes, then for a lot of people right now, it's like, wow, you're, you're either with us or against us, right? There's sort of this, this sort of thing that's brewing. And this sort of us, them, you're with us or against us, you know, there's no middle ground, right? There's no middle ground more and more. You're either this extreme or this extreme. You get two choices. More and more in our country, that's how it's shaping up. It's almost like you got two choices. Neither of them. Most of us don't like either of those extreme choices. We don't like either. And we want to be in, in the middle somewhere. We want to be balanced. But in a lot of places, it seems like you can't. And so anyway, when I talk about the past and we talk about jujitsu and we say, can I, can I look at that, at that past and have a better understanding of who Frank is who Frank was and where Frank is going and how I'm going to take these puzzle pieces now and finally, once and for all, create this beautiful mosaic that I know is there, this little masterpiece, but it's yet to be painted. 
because I didn't, I didn't know what to do with the pieces. I just didn't know like, how do I, I have all these great pieces. You have all these great pieces. A lot of people listening have all these great pieces and they're scattered and they're fragmented. And you're like, how do I put that together? And it almost drive you crazy when you know, I've got it in me to do so much more. I've got it in me to like, I've got it in me. Can I put the pieces together? Can I finally put them together? And then you and I have talked about this where life, I've had streaks in my life, years that were years of, of victory. I mean, there were years where my arc, my, my line was boom. My line was, my arc was like, wow, you know, I was winning and I was winning a lot. And like winning was kind of in my DNA. And then you have other years where you start questioning and things don't, the ball doesn't bounce your way or, you know, maybe you make one bad decision and then that compounds into it can set you back. One really bad decision can can really set you back. Like, you know, what a, a divorce, different things like that that are really heavy. Um, and so, so anyway, you, you can take the stage here, Noel. But that's something that we, we should talk about today, which is things we would tell our younger self and we would tell our, you know, if we could teach our students, our, our children things that we would teach them. Now, again, some people have to take the blows, man. So we can, you can sit here and we can tell them the trouble spots, the this, the that. And some people like me just have to take the blows to learn the lesson. We just can't, we can't read it in the book. We can't always hear it from our mentors. We have to kind of touch the hot stove and, and get burned and make sure, just make sure. Okay. Yeah, you're right. The, the, the stove will burn you. I, I can confirm that. <laughs> I, I can confirm that don't touch a hot stove. Yeah. There's well, you know, if you're, I, I, you, as you're speaking and, um, I wasn't sure where your thought, thoughts were going with this, but, um, yeah, obviously our minds are always racing and moving around as, as, as we take in information. Mm -hmm. And I thought about, but you said something, th th there's two things I want to reflect upon there. One was, um, not what I'm going to say is not what, not what, something, not what you said, but what caused me to have yeah, other thoughts or memories. It just, come. It just triggered you. Yeah. Yeah. Trick. Yeah. Um, and I can, ref and I recall listening to Ensign Inoue. Uh, either on a podcast or I was listening, I think I was listening to his biography or autobiography. And, you know, we go through this constant and it really is, you know, adversity is, adversity is your life's companion, no matter what. You may have varying degrees of what I call the five Ds. Um, and uh, the five D's comes out of the finance thinking, which is, you know, when people go through trouble, what are the things that they go trouble with? Divorce, death, disability. Um, uh, oh, I just went blank on the other two. Um, but the, the point is, is at some point at some, you know, if you just take a, an probably image, death, not I would say debt, debt, debt's probably debt, one of the D's. Yes. Debt. Yeah. Debt is definitely one. Uh, divorce, disability, divorce, disability, death, debt. Yeah. And, and then let's just add our own. Let's how about disillusionment? <laughs> well, yeah, disillusionment. Yeah, that's good. But, you know, all these things are, you know, and then what we do for numbing our 
to numb our pain. To, to numb that might be overachievement. It might be, yeah, the disassociation dis with with your emotions. You know, you disassociate with them. You're like, oh, I don't have emotions or I don't go into that space. But anyways, I wanted to finish my thought on instant in your way. Because as we're speaking and we're going through our constant, we're living our life with a secret, with an invisible companion. And that's adversity. And it has a different, it goes by different names, you know, with, with the five D's I was referring to. But um, what Ensign said is that uh, he tries to follow, um, and I don't know much about him, really, you know, other than what he said on podcasts and, and his book, um, is, you know, he follows a bit of a, you know, the samurai code in, in a way where, uh, you know, he fully goes into the octagon or his fight to die. And, you know, and expecting that is his end, but it's to face, not only just face all these adversities with dignity, you know, keep yourself in check, um, but to face your own death, to face your own mortality with dignity, instead of being a, a you know, a, a screaming cripple, crippled um let me let me rephrase that so it's more clear. Um, instead of shrinking away from your own demise, meeting it head on, and I'm not talking about meeting it head on being you know where you 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 harm yourself. I'm talking about um, sitting right here. Um, how would Hen how you know how would Henzo do it? You know he's a, he he is a samurai in a lot of ways. You know how, you know. Live your life uh, in, in ter on terms where when you are facing your own mortality, because it's coming, it's coming in all of us. You know, I don't know if I'm going to be around whenever you're, whenever you die or, you know, which one of us, but to face that moment with, you know, with self-respect and dignity um, and not give in to your lower self along the way try to have fewer of those moments where you're giving in to your lower self and to hold yourself to the highest standards of what you believe in and yeah, that this, is a this learning is process the circular this is one of the themes for the dostoevsky the great russian writer was it was more like suffering with dignity to suffer well like that was a big thing not just to you know, become a crumbling mess and, and, you know, to, to wear suffering well. And in this case to face, you know, when we say face death, that's interesting because somebody, so people think it's so extreme. What it means is the person like whatever, a samurai that could face death or a Navy seal that, that can face it and is thinking, Hey, I'm at the height, Frank, I'm 35 years old and I'm willing to go on this mission to this faraway place and do my duty or I'm willing to go in this cage and that could be the end. The person that's, that's at that level, Noah, in their own life has a much greater chance of being who they truly are. Like there's going to be a lot less pretension in that person. There's going to be a lot less repression normally in that person, the person who's truly like a Cron Gracie or, 
you know, an Ensign Inouye, um, you know, we've even seen like a Vander Holyfield in boxing, some even Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali had that. Muhammad Ali had that man, bro. You're gonna have to, you're gonna have to kill him. I mean, you know, to take Muhammad Ali, you either gotta turn the lights on, you're gonna have to kill him. That's how he was, right? He was a pretty face. But lost in all that was this guy was serious. This guy was willing to go to the ledge, to the furthest. He was not going to fall down. He was not going to stay down, you know. So, but that person, that Braveheart, right, like the character, that person is going to be much more likely to stare down the think, the ugliness inside them that they don't like, to address it, to be honest about it. Um, and, you know, you... But, but but going back to like things I would tell my my younger self, um, and one of those would be along the lines of what we're talking about, which is which is find the things you're willing to either die for or shave years of your life off of. Right? There's some things you might not die for them, but would you be willing to shave ten or twenty years? And I've had this conversation with Robert Drysdale before. Like, it sounds again. A lot of people get squeamish when you, you know, if I was to go into a college or a high school and say this, they would probably shut the speech or the lecture down. It's almost like, you know, you can't, it's just so extreme, right? If we're around Navy SEALs or we're around U.S. Marines or we're around certain fighters or certain boxers or wrestlers, this is a normal, this is a fairly normal conversation. We can talk about it. If we were in a religious or spiritual circle, we can. But in a lot of parts of society, people are just like, Oh my God, like, what would I die for? Like, well, my kids, my, you know, my, my friends that I really love my parents or, you know, whatever, but there's like this small number, right? I'm like, well, no, no, no. Forget about the people you love, which a lot of people would take a bullet for them or do whatever to protect them. But just things that are in you that it's almost like your message to the world, right? Your message, you've got to deliver a message to the world. Would you die to deliver it? Have you found the message that you feel like you're supposed to deliver, would you die to deliver that message? Kind of like there was a book, there was a movie with um, uh, Denzel Washington. I think it was called Elijah, the book of Elijah. And it's kind of a weird, it's it's a violent movie and it's kind of messed up. It's got, but he's got this book of Elijah, which is like a scriptural biblical text. And he's got to get it. He's got to get it to its destination or it's lost forever in history, right? So he's got to take this book, this sacred book, and it can't get in the wrong hands. So he's just, he's going through everything. He's going to extremes for 30 years just to get this book to where it belongs, just to get it in oh. safe hands. Right? Oh, no, that's, uh, um, that's a message to Garcia. Okay. So in any, in any event, I saw this this movie with, with Denzel. And again, just imagine if we if we put if we insert ourselves and we say what is the message are we willing to be tired and weary and busted up and dehydrated and whatever else and still carry on to get that message that's in you out to humanity and out to serve others and it's like uh, Peter Thiel used to call it what's the truth that you know that no, that that most people don't that you think the world needs like what's that thing that's like the world has this wrong and you're one of the few who knows it. And, you know, years ago, that was like that was jujitsu. That was wrestling. Right. It was a time once upon a time in the mid 90s, in the early 2000s, there were only a relative small few of us who knew this secret, who were trying to tell everybody, who were nudging everybody, telling them how great it was. And people thought we were crazy. They thought, 
what's wrong with you know you no you know like no we, we don't get it like these other sports are better you know i don't understand what you're talking about frank i think you're exaggerating how can it be that great how can it be that great for self-improvement how can it be that's great on a spiritual level on a metaphysical level um it, it's too dangerous people didn't get it people didn't get ground fighting right it went, it went to the ground in mma the, the crowd booed and and they and the referees stood him right up didn't let the top guy work very long at all and so it's really looking into ourselves and saying like what are these messages or these truths that we know that the world hasn't caught up to that most of the world has wrong and that we're convinced would serve the world and do wonders for the world and advance us and improve us as 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 humankind and how far are we willing to go for that are we, are we wimpy about it like, ah, or are we willing to, you know, put a lot of chips on that and say, no, I'm going to go all in with my chips on that message, on that truth that, that I'm yeah. here to deliver. Yeah. I, I, if I can horn my way into the, into, into what you're saying, you know, um, the, I've spoken before about regret and, when I there there are two distinct times in my life right now that I'm thinking of that um, I lived up to an ideal of my of what I felt was my highest self in a lot of ways, and then I've increased I've increased this this space the relative space between those ideals ideal selves and where I'm at right now. Um, and that was the day I, I uh, became a Marine and graduated boot camp, uh, July, January 31st, uh, 2000, um, 2000, I'm sorry, 1992, uh, when um, that moment, whenever I flipped the switch from being a boot, uh, you know, a, a recruit to a Marine, that moment where I was at that version of me and what was my potential in that moment, what I could be in that moment, I was on point. I was on the, I was on the X, no doubt about it. The other one, August 14th, 2012, when I took a red eye flight to Rio and I was going through a lot, but Rio, Rio de Janeiro, just for people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, de Janeiro. Um, and I just felt like pure. There's a sense of purity. Um, I've, you know, I, I, I feel like right now you know, there's some distance between my highs. You know, you know, at certain points in your life, and hopefully you know those moments. Like I, I know to the minute when I was on the X, when I was like, that's that's where I want to be, right there, right there, right now. I'm on the X. I'm happy. You know, I don't want to say happy because happiness has nothing to do with this. Absolutely nothing to do with this. You you can you can be dissatisfied. In fact, you probably once you hit that, once you're on that X, once you're on that at that level, at your highest self that you can be in that moment at that time. Um, it's, it's kind of like a bride on her, on her, on her, on her wedding day. You know, she's, 
she spent, you know, how, however much time getting ready for that one moment, you know, to present herself as a gift. Um, and, you know, I, I, I'm starting, you know, as I talk to you about this, I would say that every time I go and train, I should be training myself to be a gift to my opponent, to be a gift to them. You know, you know, it's what's in my heart. What's in my heart is I want, you know, when I say a gift, I don't mean giving up. You know, I'm talking about where, you know, pound for pound, <laughs> age for age, you know, gray hair or no hair. At that moment, when I meet my opponent, you know, in that bracket, I want to be my highest and best self for that for that individual. Because if I bring the best, you know, the best out in me, and that's what jujitsu does, it brings the best out in you. And you gotta, you 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 start, you know, you, you tighten up areas of your life all over the place when you start thinking there's a date on the calendar that I'm going to go ahead and have to compete again the date you know and so in that moment you need to start preparing yourself for that moment that you rise yourself up and i know there's a huge one for me at some point and that date is when i get my black belt and then it all kind of goes down from there you know it kind of goes down from there you're like i you know going at it going at it you're getting close getting close you know and it's it's um um yeah you know, there's a mathematical uh concept of you know where you're like it's, it's you're, you're always getting closer and closer and closer, but you know it gets even like twice as far as close as you get. It's asymptotically, asymptotically, it's closer and closer, but yet further and further. You know how many angels can you put on a on a head of a pen, uh, a needle? You know, well, you just start dividing and it keeps going, right? It's in, it's in infinite, but you know you're very close to what you can do in your mind. And then you yet you see how much further you can go. That's a, that's a, that's one of the one of the things about calculus, mathematics. What I find beautiful about calculus is it does the same. It's 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 actually writing in symbolic form. And how you you're just putting inputs like numbers are just the inputs into this concept that we're talking about here. That's what makes mathematics well, a language of the universe. I, um, the thing that I really like about jujitsu and wrestling mm -hmm. even muay thai um remember i was doing this stuff before it was super popular i mean there was just a, it was like everybody knew everybody if you were in a certain zip code and you were a good wrestler then you probably knew the other people that were good wrestlers or you knew you know you were one degree of separation right everybody knew everybody uh -huh. jujitsu jujitsu in those early days like Everybody knew everybody, or you were one degree of separation away from every. There weren't six degrees, right? So, the thing that's beautiful about it is you're not going to be able to halfway it. You know, there's a lot of things in life people can halfway their way through their their careers, and 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 if they're if they just play the game a little bit and they and they show up every day and they have a decent attitude, you know, there were a lot there have been a lot of people that could just coast their way through careers and just you know, be, be okay and have a nice middle or, or upper class income. And you can't do that on a wrestling mat, a good wrestling program. You can't do that in a room with good wrestlers. You can't do that. You can't go into a room full of good judicas or Sambo or jujitsu players or Muay Thai or boxing. 
you are going to have to grow yourself. You're going to have to have a gut check. You're going to have to, you know, being a partier and doing drugs and drinking too much does not go with this lifestyle. You, you will make your mornings, your mornings will be hell. If you are out living and partying and doing that, you are going to pay for that when you get to the gym. Your training partners are going to make you pay for that, not you, but but someone who's in that position. So there's an accountability built in. There is a, in a good room, like Henzo Gracie's or Robert Drysdale's, you go to a good academy, you're not going to be able to coach. You're not going to be able to play it safe. You're going to get tested. You're going to get pushed a lot of times to your limit. And that's, that's something a lot of people haven't had. A lot of people's lives are not set up to have that. And when they don't have that, they don't have the stress, the right amount of stress. Like a plant to grow needs stress. A muscle to grow needs stress. A human spirit you know, to grow, us to grow to our fullest potential needs stress. The right amount of stress incrementally, gradually, not too extremely, which would get us killed or seriously hurt, but the right amounts of stress incrementally, gradually. And that environment has it. it, it you know, jujitsu. Most areas of our societies are not set up for that. That's why I say when it comes to people building, in my opinion, just my, this is just Frank's rating. You know, the top things would be whatever spiritual practice you have, whether it be your faith of some sort, whether it be you're a yogi, you're a Buddhist, you're a Hindu, whatever it is, however you're feeding your spiritual self, to me, that's the most important thing. But if you don't have that practice, then it's like, okay, well, did you hit the jackpot with your parents or your grandparents? Did you hit the jackpot with those early mentors? Well, most of us didn't. So a lot of times faith and spirit and all that stuff, a lot of us say we don't have that. Then as far as hitting the parental jackpot and having those influences our first seven years, 10 years, formative years, planting great seeds in our subconscious, well, most of us don't get that. So guess what? Now we have a lot of brokenness in us. We have a lot of... Um, faulty subconscious programming and wiring and how are we going to undo that and i've argued before i argued in the tedx talk and i argued here today jujitsu is a, as good as anything i know to fill that void there's very few things i think that can, you know some people they find it in music some people find it in art but this is one that because the thing about jujitsu is kind of like wrestling too Noah. this is what's unique about the art it is both your own journey and it's also a team around you so it's interesting football is a team sport okay soccer is a team sport wrestling when you go out there it's both a team sport and it's just you right so it's it's a duality that goes on there that most sports don't have in tennis you know you could be a tennis player an elite tennis player and by and large it's you it's you and your coach it's not as much team oriented right but our sport is wired. You have to have the teammates around you. So your, you know, your, your social skills are going to grow, your bonding, your camaraderie, you, you know, each of us investing in each other and, and, and going up to each other after class and saying, hey, can you show me this? And you did me this. There is a team investment in each other. But at the same time, there's lonely moments, too. There's moments of reflection where you can be it can feel like just you and your practice sometimes when you go out there the hardest thing about going out there a lot of times is that people are going out there by themselves and they're going into the unknown if they haven't done a lot of tournaments 
they're entering the unknown. Maybe they've never participated in front of 2,000 people or 3,000 people. Maybe they're not used to that. Maybe they're not used to, you know, the referee being there, Baru, and just the way that a ref is running it. Maybe they're not used to the intensity of a tournament environment. Maybe they're not used to the week of the tournament that can play tricks on your brain the day before, the night before. They can play tricks on your brain. There's a lot more unknowns built into a tournament environment than a training environment. A lot of people will eventually acclimate to a training environment, especially when they, if they're in a place where there are a lot of people, you know, New York, people are coming in from all over the world. So you might not know what to get one day to the next. At Robert Drysdale's, people were coming in and train from all over the world. So you go to practice, you didn't know. But a lot of places, a lot of academies become very familiar. We become familiar with um, that environment. And sometimes that can be bad because we get used to the styles of the athletes we're rolling with and how to handle them. But then we you know, get into a, a tournament environment, someone we don't know, and maybe we make them better in our head than they actually are. Maybe we underestimate them. Maybe we're just not aware of their surprise move that they have up, up their sleeve. And, um, but in any event, I think that this is a sport that, um, it, it, it is, it is a lot of the invisible stuff. It is, it is you versus a deeper you. It's almost like you, cause most of us have this deeper us that's buried inside and, um, we haven't been forced to face that we've ran from it. We've run, we've been scared of something. We've been repressing things. We've been burying things. And jujitsu, I would say, is kind of like a roto-rooter. You have to kind of go in there. And if you're going to get better, you're going to have to start staring down those. The people that keep showing up are staring down those fears. There's just no question. The white belt that keeps showing up, the blue belt that keeps showing up, they are there. You, you best believe that they've been conquering doubts. They've had doubts. I mean, you know. 99%, if they keep showing up, they've had a conversation with themselves somewhere that was like, you know, you know, no, I'm going. I can, I can handle it. I want to get better. The voice of victory is louder than the voice of doubt, right? That, that's the people that keep showing up. The people when the voice of doubt is louder than the voice of victory and the voice of doubt's here, they stop coming. And that's most people. They just stop coming. And that tells me that a lot of those people – it's not just a jujitsu fear. It's a it, the person that has that attitude toward jujitsu is having that same attitude, that same back down, that same quit, and a lot of other areas of their life, a lot of other areas. Person that can keep showing up for something like this that's really hard is going to start winning battles against other things because the discipline muscle gets stronger. They start shrinking the fears. That person is more likely to win other battles in their life, other internal battles, they're more likely, they're armed to, to handle it better than, than uh, somebody that's just going to quit on jujitsu after a week or two weeks is probably quitting on a lot of things, a lot, a lot of things in their life. And, um, yeah, as you're speaking, I thought about when I got my blue belt, it's been a minute. And, um, you know, I, you talk about coming back to it. I've, um, I train mainly at Henzo's and I'm not at, I'm not in New York right now. And the Academy just opened up, I think this week, but it might get closed back down again. Um, 
you know, because of the situation there. I was just thinking about it's been five years since I got my blue belt. Five years. Five years, yeah. Uh-huh. Do, do you yeah, have stripes October. There? Do, do, they, do they do stripes there? Yeah, they do stripes. Uh, but do I have stripes on this blue belt? I don't have anything on it. But that doesn't mean I haven't been showing up. But it's it's as what Igor said to me, just show up and just keep showing up. And so I know I've grown, you know, you know, with, with you know, working with you, I've we've done we've done a lot of training together. Um, and this we're we're in week forty one. Uh, you know, there's only fifty two weeks in this year. There's eleven weeks left in this thing. And we've been doing this podcast now for probably about 43 weeks or so. And I tell you that since we started this podcast and, and just spending an hour or two every week or, or so, um, my, my thoughts of it, I think that we've had some, we've had some opportunity to air out a lot of, a lot of these concepts. Um, so I may not be on the mat, developing technique is right now but the foundation the the other stuff i think that i've probably been reading you know reading much more than i would have i took myself the task on jujitsu and and the fight sport and the fight science much more um you know like i understand more of the ufc now uh, than i did um a year ago um, but maybe I don't have, I don't have tape on my, on my blue belt right now, but it'll come in time. I'm not worried about that whatsoever. I don't, I'm not marking time. I'm really not. The only thing I'm saying is I'm anchoring when I got my blue belt in New York, but I've had these long streaks of time of being away from Henzo's, but still continuing. You know, I, I see things like, uh, me changing careers and um, taking care of that as more of a baseline, more of a fundamental taking care of getting that black belt because I'm changing the way um, I'm, I'm changing my revenue streams in life to support. Yeah. Let, let, you know, I don't talk a lot about my vulnerabilities on, on the show. And, and I think, as I told you before, as I've told you in private, um, I, I'm happy to talk about those later. You know, like, it's almost like I want to do some really big things again. And then I want to talk about, oh, let me tell you about the time when it wasn't like this, right? But I think th this is what I want to say, and this is going to really resonate with you. When life got really hard for me, when it really put me on my knees and it was like, you know, what we would call rock bottom, rock bottom without being a drug addict, right? Like people think rock bottom of like drug addict, this, that, other dude, you could be rock bottom. Life has a way you could be this totally sober person living super clean and, you know, you're educated, you're really good at what you do, you, you know, and you can hit rock bottom. Like rock bottom is strange. It's not just, like we always hear it and we always just think drug addict or, you know, you know, somebody who has these severe mental problems, or whatever. We don't imagine it could be it could be some of the most amazing people we've we come in contact with who who are phenomenal at certain aspects of their life. 
but a couple of dominoes fall, a tragedy, a traumatic event, whatever. And the next thing you know, you're in this dark place and you're like, how do I get out? Like, how did I get here? And it seems like too daunting, right? When you get to rock bottom, the problem with rock bottom is a lot of times it seems like, hey, maybe I've dug too deep of a ditch this time. Maybe I, how am I going to get out of this one? Maybe I can't get out of this one. It's kind of like being trapped under the bottom of like, imagine being trapped on the bottom of like Robert Drysdale or, or Roger Gracie is on top of you in side control. You know, if you're in that position, you're you know, most of us are going to be like, oh my goodness, like, what are my odds of getting out of here? Right? Like, how yeah. am I getting out of Roger Gracie mount or Roger Gracie uh, on top of me in side control, like squishing me and I can barely breathe? Like, so life has a way of putting us there and you feel like constricted and suffocated. Like, how am I getting out of here? And I can say that one of the things when I've been in that spot that gave me strength is I just thought back to jujitsu to all the times when I doubted, when I questioned, when I was injured, when I was getting beat in practice, when it was hurting, when when I trained my, my butt off and I, I thought it was my day in a tournament and I got there and I felt the best I've ever felt and I got caught in, a, in an arm bar. Like the bouncing back, the fact that I knew I had come back from big deficits, I'd come back from major injuries, I'd come back from doubts, I'd conquered those and then I finished something I started. When I look at that arc and I look at them like, well, let's just imagine life in the same terms. You know, maybe you're the you're the injured blue belt right now. Right. Or you're the blue belt that's that's getting beaten practice every day. Like that is life too. some some seasons of life are the same thing. It's like, oh, my goodness, how am I going to do this? How am I getting out of this? Well, guess what? Jiu-jitsu showed me like a blueprint for like, yes, if you keep going, you will make it to this higher ground. You will make it. You just have to be very specific about what you're aiming at. A lot of times, a lot of us are hard workers, but we're scattered. We're here and we're here and we're here. And I've done it in my life. We're here, we're here, we're here, we're here. And we're so scattered. And that's why we never get to a special place because we're just too fragmented, right? We don't, the air, the, the energy is not focused in one place. With jujitsu, it's very clear. I mean, if you keep coming and you're training in the gi and you're coming for years, you're trying to get a black belt. I mean, you're aware of that. And it's that's the, the, the thing. And, and in jujitsu, just like life, there are times on the mat where you feel like you're 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 getting worse. You feel like you're stagnating. You feel like everyone else is getting better and you're not. Because some students are now they're getting better and maybe they're doing better against you. Sometimes, even when you're a higher belt in jujitsu, you're winning. But the, but the lower belts are closing the gap. And so sometimes you feel like, oh, I'm not getting better. Even though you're winning, but you're thinking, oh, my gosh, they're catching me, right? You're like looking in the rearview mirror, they're catching me. And that can play tricks with people's heads. But the bottom line is when life gets really hard, there have been times where I just thought, okay, let's use a jujitsu metaphor for this. Mm. You had plenty of questions. I cried because I didn't know I didn't, there were plenty of days, not one, not two, not five, where I thought, I love this, but my body's not going to last. It's going to drive my body into the ground. It's too high of a risk of getting slammed on my neck, getting my neck. Once you have a titanium plate in your neck, no, you know what you're scared of? You're scared of getting paralyzed. Once you mm. have the titanium, say, well, you have a titanium plate, so you're good. No, you're not. Guess what? 
Now you now you're aware of your own mortality. When you've had when you've had spinal surgery and that plate put in there, you've had numbness, you've lost feeling in your hands. You've had I've had lost feeling for months, bro, for months. Wow. Tingling for shooting pains for years. When you have that, even when they put the plate in, guess what? You're thinking, "Oh my goodness. What did I do to the rest of my life? What did I do to my spine? What if somebody slams me on my head?" Right? You go back and you've got to go back into that, you know, and and training with jujitsu black belts. I remember training with one guy who threw me so hard. The guy was 230. I was 140, 145. He's 230. Slammed me, you know, crushed my shoulder. My shoulder, my, my uh, AC joint was sticking up to here and knocked me out of Pan Ams one year. But, my, but I was thinking afterwards, as bad as it was, I was like, thank God he didn't throw me on my head, right? But uh, that was like an absolute, that, I assume. No, that was just in the training room. We would just go with big guys. You know, we, we would still, in the training room in the old days, even for Pan Americans, I shouldn't have been training with that guy, but I was training with a guy who was 230, black belt. Uh, mm. He would go on to become a black belt in jiu-jitsu, and he was already a black belt in judo. But And, oh. and I had a cast I had a, I had a cast on my hand because my thumb was messed up, so I couldn't uh-huh. win the hand fight with him because I had my hand, my thumb was taped up. So because I didn't win the hand fight, the guy being a judica, he was able to get the grips he wanted. If I had had my fresh hand, no way I would have given him that grip to throw me. I would have been like, heck no. But I didn't have use of my thumb, so I had to concede a grip to him, and he launched me. Anyway, the point being that there's those times where when you navigate all of that and you just think, can I come back from it in life too, in real life? Can I come back from it? Yeah, I can. How do I know? Another way. Another way that I see this, Frank, uh, that I you know that I approach this, yeah, is, uh, you know, there's like material possessions, your FICO score, your marriage status, um, status, whatever status you want to say, that fluctuates in life and it should stuff's going to change otherwise you're not out there living it but there's one thing that doesn't change for me and this is my uh, there's two things but we'll really say one thing here um that one thing to me is i can always go back to jujitsu i lose a job i still have jujitsu that i can work on you know where uh you know i if I had to sell a home, you know, I have to live in an apartment for, so I get, I got to, you know, that's that kind of status, not having an address, not having a job, not having, you know, lifestyle, you know, I'll talk about all those change, but just to, since it, when I really started honing in on it, that's a constant, that's a, that, you know, that's not going away from me. I can go find an academy and belong. I can find my tribe. You know, I can find my tribe. I can go, always go back to my tribe. Um, the uh, Earlier I mentioned about Instant Inuway and, you know, I was thinking about, you know, at that moment when I graduated boot camp and then there's like a little bit of disillusionment 
that curve. You reach your ideal and you're there, but then you're saying this isn't in the end all be all. And then you become disillusioned and you start to, you know, lose, it loses its luster in that moment. You know, and as, as by you lose it, you want to go back to it. You want to have that again. You know, the Marine Corps, you're going, you're going to get out of the Marine Corps. Either you're going to retire uh, or you're going to finish your contract or you're going to um, hand in your, your uh, uh, officer commission or you're going to die in service, but you're going to leave that. You're going to leave that stat at some point, unless you die, of course, while you're in. And um, then that's no longer a part of you. That's something you had. That's a that comes from a present tense to a past tense, in a way. Even though I'm, I'll always be a Marine, but I was an active duty Marine. And uh, before I realized how much I would love to be back in the uniform, I was a little, I was eight of being in the service again. I tried to go back in the military um, in the past decade, but I, I was too old. Uh, and Or at the last minute, which I could try to get in, I couldn't complete the training to get in and they would, didn't have what didn't have spots for what I could do. So it didn't work out. And that's like, oh, it's just fleeting my hands. Okay. But, but I always had jujitsu. That... Until lately, you know, this pandemic has taken away from me New York, it's taken away from me in some ways, it's taken away my, um, uh, you know, way I earn a living. And, you know, it's put me back, it's put me back financially for a bit um, as I retool and, you know, go down, you know, become employ or I should say deploy the hustle that, that I've cultivated in the last few years. Um, but that's just is going to be there whenever I take care of these things. You know, Henzo, uh, you know, I, I, you know, like, look, you know, things happen in my life. I come and go and it's, it's all right. You take care of yourself, take care of your family. And then once you have those things set, once you have those conditions met, train that's when you could train so he kind of gave me a pass in a way you know was like you need to take care of your other properties in life you know pay your obligations okay take care of yourself because with doing that you're actually in a yoga kind of way you're stealing you're stealing from yourself you're stealing from your future self if you're having to go into debt to do things, if you're having to um, um, compromise your a moral situation that you know you're going to carry some kind of psychic guilt with um, until you work out, you work that out, or I think, I you think meet that it, there are people, or you meet it head I've on. Met, yeah, I, I've met people that um, you know, that were brave and, and their, their thing was one of my buddies, he was in the banking industry. Uh, he was on the regulating side, like federal government regulator. And, you know, he trained with Kenny Florian and he was training back in the nineties and he was a tough guy and, and, and a good role. And it was just that he had a family and he had long hours at work and the little bit of time that he did have, he wanted to get home and be with his kids. And, and I think mm -hmm. he also, 
I think he also didn't want to be, um, you know, for some people, it's not the bravery. It's that they're going to be really tired. Like, right. So some people, I mean, it does make it like if you're pushing your body in practice and then you go home and, you know, you go home, you eat, you shower, and then you wake up the next day. I mean, you're, you're going to probably need seven or eight hours. You know, the older you are, you're going to need more time to recover. And some people, their life just isn't arranged for that. It's not a bravery thing for them. It's that other pieces of their life, um, whether they be a workaholic, whether they value that, you know, they have kids, they want to be there for their kids. They want to take their kids to soccer. They, you know, maybe they feel yeah. like they have to choose between my, you know, um, uh, you know, you may, maybe they feel like they have to choose between their kid's soccer game and training jujitsu. And so they're, mm -hmm. they want to be a good family person. So it's, there are other factors like, um, you know, jujitsu good. If you're training at a good Academy or let's say you're not in great shape in the beginning, right? Somebody goes there. I mean, it might take a lot of people, right? If you're already an athlete and you were wrestling and you played basketball a lot, I mean, you could probably be in okay jujitsu shape in like two months, right? I mean, you're okay, where you, where you learn to, hand, you know, get better at cardio two, three months. But a lot of people who really haven't, if that's not been their thing and they're going to stick with it, man, it might take them six, eight months to lay a foundation. They could be really tired and like need a lot of extra sleep in those first six months because they're using muscles and 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 they're just not used to that right if you've been wrestling at least your body's been used to some all that all-out effort and your muscles have gotten used to that your ligaments but when you have it um you know it strains a lot on your central nervous system it can drain some people's adrenals because they are having nervous even going to practices making them nervous and during roles so it can be really energetically taxing um and and that that fatigue can carry over to your work. If somebody has an, a job where they're working nine, 10 hours and there's a lot of intensity at work and there's a lot of stress at work. Yes. Jiu-jitsu could relax you, but on the other hand, for people that are already type a or really stressed out of their minds, um, if they're not getting good sleep, they could be even more irritable or they might not have like, even me as a writer, when, when, no, when I was training really hard, it was hard to be like maximum creativity because it took mm. so much energy after practice. And, and there, there were a lot of times even when I was writing and I was icing, I had these ice bags and yeah. so I was having to be conscious of icing. I was at the newsroom at the Las Vegas review journal newsroom. And I used to have these, I used to be there ice bags on my neck, on my shoulder with the, you know, with the nace bandage and, and, and I had to get, you know, I had to get the inflammation down for different shoulder injuries and neck injuries. And so it was definitely something where, like, I had to really have a lot of mind power because a lot of times going into work after practice was harder than going to practice. Like going into work and be like, and like your body's tired now, right? Yeah. You're just like, and yeah. you just want to relax, but you've got five or six or seven hours of work ahead of you. And sometimes maybe intense work. And that is something that a lot of people have trouble navigating because they're just, their lives, their life is too full. It's not just, it's not necessarily that they're even scared of the injuries as much. Their life is too full and they're having trouble managing their life and keeping up with every responsibility. And so something has to give. And just for a lot of people, it's like, well, jujitsu as a priority is here, even right. though they might enjoy it. It's, it's here.
because that there's other things, love, romantic mm-hmm. love and kids and, and, yep. and work and, and, uh, and family obligations and keeping up with your friends and volunteering and all these other things. And so it's like, well, where does jujitsu rank for these people? Number 15, and, number 20. I mean, yeah. And I gotta, yeah, I gotta tell you, we, you know, I mean, directly like right now, I, you know, we've even, even this podcast, you know, um, you know, stuff going on yesterday, but this is a school night here. And, um, you know, even that, you know, we've got just like a five minutes left that I, that I, that I've got to bounce and, you know, take it, take care of, take care of obligations here that I have and hop on the laptop and, uh, uh, continue doing this, um, project that has a deadline. Um, you know, yeah, tonight I hear the, I hear the puppy down there barking and needing to go out, you know? Yeah. The cat came cruise through here cause I hadn't fed him yet today. You know, no, we so did, yeah, we did our time. We did, did we work out? Let's fig, let's finish on the note that we started. Let's bring it full circle, which is you go first and I'll, and I'll end this off in two minutes or less. What, what would today's Noah tell the Noah of 20, 25 years ago? Just a couple of things that stand out. What would you tell and advise the Noah of 20, 25 years ago? Three things, only three things, be consistent, meditate, and practice yoga. done done that that's that's it be consistent mm-hmm. that's it i i'm I, I give my time to you yeah i would say that one thing would be be more coachable um i've always been that there's that line in the uh, frank sinatra song uh the record shows i took the blows and did it my way and uh-huh. I think that I've always been the kind of guy that had to take the blows to make sure mm-hmm. that it worked. And, and and I think that you can get a lot, sometimes you can just get a lot further just by aligning with the Jedi coach and just keep quiet and do what they say. And uh, mm-hmm. monkey see, monkey do, just emulate them. So I think coachability, I think I'm obviously much more coachable now, um, but be more coachable. The other thing would be ego. I think that ego, I didn't like being tapped in practice. I didn't have the mentality of, say, a Gary Tonin, where you, you know, you just really get after it. I got after it in practice, but I was definitely trying not to get tapped instead of having the mindset that, hey, even if I get in these, and I was in bad positions because Drysdale used to start us in bad positions. So I was always in bad positions, but I didn't like to stay there for long. And I didn't like, to get tapped where if I had, if I had maybe been slower in, in bad positions and said, I'm going to stay here more, I'm going to figure out every intricacy of this bad position. I'm going to really roto rooter everything and put it under a microscope. Instead I was more like, okay, I'm in a bad position. Let's get out of here really quick. But then you miss the lessons, right? If you just constantly get out of the bad position too quick and you miss all the lessons that because Hey, if you could be like a Gary Tony practice, like, all right, let me hang out here for a little bit. And if I turn this way and if I do this and is he, what's he trying to do? And what, you know, you can, you can really start to analyze things and get the mental reps in those bad spots. The longer you can stay in the bad spots. A lot of times, the more you can figure out there too, little things or you can slow it down. So I would say, you know, to my younger self too, don't take it so hard when you get, 
tapped. It, it can it can make you a lot better. You you can um, it can it can grow your game a lot because I, I'm really a, I really believe and I believe the same thing in the striking sports. I believe the thing people should learn first in general in general is defense. I believe if you learn defense phenomenally, and you don't stay defensive, if you just learn defense, your confidence will go up just by that. Just by you knowing, if you knew, if you had confidence in your defensive skills, and you were like Frank probably cannot tap me with this, 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 you had full confidence, right? You, you know, then it frees you up to be more offensive and to take more chances because you really trust that defense. You can take more chances when you trust your defense. You can be more aggressive a lot of times when you trust your defense. Like Gary Tonin is a perfect example of that. The guy can be really aggressive or even Gordon Ryan. It's like, because these guys have good defense too. They really understand these positions. They understand the A, B, C, D, and all the way up to Z. They understand the backward, forward, Donahue guys. They've really, they know the terrain better. But I, anyway, the point, bottom line there is, um, for sure, put the ego aside even more in, in training. That would be it. And then maybe the one other one would be um, – that's it. Let's just leave it with two right now. That you know, the shrinking the ego even more, and be coachable. Um, sometimes we, you know, we we don't we you know even like with with you and I or whatever. It's like just sometimes we're waiting for we're waiting for like the big names to say it, and somebody who's your coach there could say it to you, and, and it's like people don't wrap themselves around it. But if Michael Jordan said it, they'd believe it, or if Bill Belichick said it, they'd believe it, right? If Elio Gracie said it, but then somebody else who really cares about you says it, and we're just like, eh, I'm not sure about that. It's like, no, man. Like if you if you have good people around you and they tell you, don't be an asshole, an asshole, right? Just do it. Like he says, it works. Do that. Later you can add your own twist, but do what they just taught you right now, and later you can add your own little twist or whatever. But be coachable, and if you're be coachable. Your arc, you know, you're, you can rise so much quicker. If you're in a good environment and you're coachable, like really super coachable, man, you could do a lot of damage, man. You can get good. You can get good quick if you're in a good environment. So anyway, Noah, happy Monday night. You got stuff to do. I got stuff to do, my brother. We will get together soon. Everybody out there, thank you for watching uh, today's episode, EverymanBJJ. Email EverymanBJJ at gmail.com. Or any uh, comments, feedback. Thanks so much, everybody. Noah, you have a great rest of the night, buddy. Thanks, Frank. I'm glad to uh, spend some Monday evening with you. Take care, sir. See you, buddy. Good night. That's it for today's episode of Everyman BJJ. Thanks for listening. Look for new episodes of Everyman BJJ every week, wherever you get your podcast or at everymanbjj.com.